0: Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mikado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar, thanks for listening into to episode 238. For the Australian sheep meat industry, the US is a big customer, taking around 20% of our exported lamb in the first half of this year. While being a big importer, the US is also a producer with a breeding ewe flock at around 2.7 million head. And with Robert Herman traveling through the US this week, we are very happy to have another call in from overseas with Heather Jones joining us on the podcast. So Heather and her partner run a meat and wool sheep enterprise just outside of Thermopolis in Wyoming, which has been in their family since 1937 which we're going to hear all about today. It's such a fascinating story in today's episode about how they run their operation, managing challenges from snow through to predators, genetics and performance measurement, as well as how the market conditions are faring over there domestically. Before we do get into the episode, though, here are a few highlights from this week's market. And we've finally had some positive movements in livestock markets. There wasn't really a rain-driven rally in the cattle market with just a slight price improvement over the week, but we did see yardings drop off strongly at Roma's door sale, which might be the first sign of a bit more confidence that grass will be on the horizon. The and Mutton Market jumped strongly this week as sale yard throughput tightened up. Mind you, that's still a lift from very low levels. The wool market also had a really positive opening week to the new wool selling season with all categories even crossbred wools improving in a refreshing change of pace. That's it from me today. Enjoy the episode with Robert Herman and Heather Jones.
1: Thanks, Olivia. Yes, um, Lynn and I are still here in the States and uh, we've moved across to the East Coast now and we're in uh, New York, which is a long way away from uh, any agricultural pursuits, I can tell you. But we were really fortunate, Liv. we were up in Wyoming and we um, we, we met with, uh, as you know, we met some cattle people, but we're also fortunate to catch up with uh, Heather and Weston Jones, who are, uh, run a sheep property um, just out of Thermopolis. And, um, and Heather's really um, great. Uh, we're really pleased that Heather's agreed to join us today and have a chat. Hi, Heather. Hi. Thank you. Well, look, it's... Um, it's, it's great to it was great to catch up with you and drive around the, the, the ranch. We've got to remember to call them ranches over here. We call our sheep farms farms, but here they're ranches. Um, yes. Just tell us a little bit about your farm and um, and look, I know you run merino sheep, but your major focus on those merino sheep is for meat production, is that right?
2: Yes, so um, it's actually more of a Rambouillet. Um, my family started this place in 1937, so it's, it's been in the family for years. We're, we've got five generations on it. Um, we have a commercial herd of Rambouillet ewes, and uh, yeah, about 80% we figure profits come off of meat production, and 20% is, about, is what the wool would bring in.
1: So uh, just something that I was really interested in when we were there, you were waiting to, for the opportunity for the weather to improve to take these... Uh, your breeding herd up to what you call the summer country. Just explain what that's all about. And maybe at the same time, just tell us a little bit about the conditions um, on your property in the winter. You know, what about the snow? What about the, uh, and I remember you you have different predators than what we have as well.
2: Absolutely. So um, we kind of run our place in a, like a three section, um, program we have um, our winter country which is to the north of us Um, it's we're all high desert so there's not a lot of irrigation um, pretty high desert grasses but our winter is um, pretty much badlands you know it's just kind of bare out there Um, the wind keeps it cleared off but uh, this last winter we've was one of the toughest ones that we've had in my memory and uh, it was pretty rough getting out there Uh, to even feed the sheep we just supplement them with corn most of the time they're just on forage but um, it was pretty rough so they're out there for about 100 days in the winter time and then we bring them in to the home place um, and that's where they're either shed lambed or they range lamb depending on um, if they're multiples or a single and then um, we go through all of our processing the docking and everything here and then we do we trail them up to what we call our mountain pasture and it's about 25 miles south of our home place. And um, it's higher in elevation. It's about actually 3,000 feet higher in elevation than our home place. But uh, the sheep do really well up there. It's your mountain grasses and it's a lot cooler. And so then they'll stay up there for 90 to 100 days as well. That's kind of how our program works. And then we'll bring them home and ship the lambs from here. And then the ewes will go back to winter pasture
1: start yeah. over again it sounds like farming uh, everywhere we go um, what about yeah. um, what about snow and things that we don't have to deal with in australia just for interest like snow and and also what are the things that um, that try and uh, attack your sheep
2: so with the snow you know it, it can be a really uh, a big blessing because there's a lot of pastures that with the snow that we don't have to have water we don't have to have water tanks or live water in those those pastures because the sheep can live off basically licking the snow so that's it's a benefit it really is Um, they can graze on a lot of places um, a lot better they can utilize those pastures better because they just lick snow as they go and they don't have to trail back to water but like I was talking earlier um, this last year we had a lot of snow and the sheep aren't able to move around. So we were breaking trails in the snow with the pickups or the four wheelers trying to get to the sheep. Um some people around here were actually taking like bulldozers and blading trails because if it you know if it gets too deep they just they can't find forage and they can't travel. Um we finally just took pickups over and was able to get the sheep to follow the pickup tracks back. If you can picture that, it was mm. single file on two tracks for <laughs> for miles coming back, and and I wish I had a camera, but I didn't. But anyway, so it was. It, it can be a detriment, um, depending, like I said. But it's also a blessing. So, but that is something that we fought hard this year, and and we had uh, lower wool production with the ewes mainly because they couldn't get as much of the forage, the feed that they needed, so they're you know, they were declining in body condition, which showed in their body condition, as well as the wool quality. So the biggest thing um, that we have, we've got a a wide variety of predators, but um, during lambing, a lot of our predators are going to be your eagles and your ravens, um, coyotes, mountain lions. So on our summer pasture that we talk about the mountain pasture, it has quite a few mountain lions. So we see a lot of loss up there, but mainly coyotes and, and eagles. And Eagles are—I'm going to say—the number one on the lambing grounds because they're—they're they're pretty thick. So you—you you could yeah. find like thirteen eagles on one dead lamb. So that—that that is what I would say, predator-wise.
1: Now, now we had a look at your sheep, and um, and they look like merinos to me. I might have offended you by calling them merinos because you like to call them <laughs> rambolays, I think, Heather. But um, yeah, they—they. They, uh, we don't we know that we know the background to the rambolay i mean it came from it was a european merino breed that came across here and seems to have done very well um what about your um just tell us a few more stats about the business what's the rainfall what's your lambing percentage uh what age do you turn the lambs off because as you said 80 percent of your income comes from uh from the meat production
2: so our rambolays i and yeah they're they're obviously stem from Merino's. I just would say that ours are bigger. They're bigger framed. And I think we talked about that. I think you had mentioned mm-hmm. that they, they are definitely bigger. So we pull the lambs off five to six months of age. Um, and then they'll, they go straight to a feeder. So we don't feed here, um, on our place. Uh, we have a, a guy that we work with outside of Worland which is only about 30 minutes away and, and he feeds all of our lambs.
1: That, that's, that's really interesting and um, you know obviously we got to see it firsthand but it's interesting just to hear you explain it. I just wanted to change tack slightly Heather. Um, I, I got a message from uh, one of our uh, people back home overnight and uh, he said this lamb market is tanked. Our lamb market is tanked and things are terrible. What's the prices like here for you in the US now? and how would you describe the market? you know, you say how does it compare with the last five to ten years?
2: Um, you know, a couple of years ago we had we had it spike really high. Um, and it and it was like I said, it's, it's always great when you can get those prices. We, it has gone down a little bit. Um, we and, and just in the last last year, Um, this year it's kind of seeing to stabilize a little bit, um, maybe increase a little, I'm going to say it's pretty average. Um, but we, we did have that spike, um, that was phenomenal. It was one of those spikes that almost, you know, is, is. Memorable, <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> it's, but, um, it's almost it, too it, good it, to it be changed. true, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It really is. It's like, whoa, well, this was not, that's not that nice little graph that you, you think about seeing, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, so it, it has kind of leveled off a little bit and improved from last year, I would say.
1: Yeah, well, that's interesting because we've also observed some of the retail prices of lamb in, in um in the U.S. here, and they are, they have very strong prices. I can, you know, when we do the conversion from, uh, we have to do the currency conversion, we have to do the conversion to from pounds to kilograms. Um, I was going to ask you, though, and, and we will get around to your um, pending role. I think you've been nominated for the American Lamb Board, Heather. Um, but before we get on to that, um, I just noticed that, that the U.S. is now our uh, the Australian's number one export destination for sheep and lamb meat by value i think by volume china's a little bit ahead still but last year there was about seventy-five thousand tons of sheep meat came in here that was up six percent on the year before how does the american sheep farmer feel about um, seeing that lamb is it is it something you see as being a uh, uh, competitive for you or does it actually bring more focus to sheep meat and lamb for the for the u.s consumer
2: so how, I guess how I would answer this um, is that, you know, we, we've seen an increase in our market and um, just over the past five years, whether it's the ethnic markets or, or whatever, we've seen an increase and our industry is not able to keep up with it. So obviously, we have to have, you know, some imports. Um, I, I would like it to be fair, you know, with our markets. Um, That I don't want our producers to suffer, but I also know, like I said, that we have to have, we cannot produce enough right now, so we have to have Mm -hmm. those imports. Um, I, you know, we have camaraderie ship, I think, with uh, other sheep producers. I mean, I feel, you know, a bond, I guess I would say. So I don't hold anything against, um, you know, different countries that import or anything. I just would, you know, but we are competitors at the end. So, you know, of course, we're going to feel like our product is going to be superior. And I just have <laughs> yeah. to ask myself when I say that, and I'm not saying it is, I'm saying we think that because <laughs> if you don't think that about your product, product, then I have to ask you, what are you doing? You know, if you're not 100% confident, then there's room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. But that's what I, I feel like. I feel like, you know, we want it to be fair competition and, you know, we want to, we want to compete and we want to play on the on the uh, on the field.
1: Yeah, and I think I, uh, you know, we did talk about. We'd love to have you come out to Australia and have a look at what we do, and that understanding would be of benefit to everybody, I think. But I was speaking to a neighbour of yours at the rodeo uh, the night afterwards, and she mentioned she asked me, "What is our view on truth in labeling?" And I, I'm trying to read into that, and I'm thinking that probably. That's something that's a bit of a concern here because we saw a lamb that I thought, gee, it looked like either Australian or New Zealand lamb, but there was no labeling on the packages. Is that a problem for your industry here?
2: Yes. In my opinion, it is. Yeah. And, and I don't know, you know, who to go to for that right now, but, but I would Mm. say that it is for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because my comments, when we spoke about this, at the rodeo was that um, I think as, as from an Australian perspective, we would probably welcome truth in labelling because it, it means that you've got to stand beside your product. So therefore, the quality is going to be, you know, something you concentrate on as well. Um, but anyway, look, there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, you've, you're as I said, you're pending uh, a membership as a director on the American Land Board. Um, just tell us a little bit what the American Land Board does and and what your hopes are for your role there
2: uh, so yes yeah, so i was nominated um which i'm very excited about and i'm very passionate about the industry and i just think that if i'm going to be in this i need to be involved 100 percent. so i was uh, nominated so the american land board is a 13 member board and you're appointed by the secretary of agriculture so that's the point um, later on in the year, then the, the secretary of agriculture will actually appoint who he wants on that out of the slate of nominees. Um, so it's really just focused on promotion, um, increasing the de- demand for lamb um, by promoting versatility of it, the freshness, the flavor, the n- nutritional benefits, you know, just getting, just educating it, it is, is the main point of it. And um, so the American lamb board is overseen by the U S department of ag and those programs are paid for or utilize the checkoff dollars through the American lamb community. Um, I, I think what I would bring to the table is just enthusiasm for the industry in a whole, because I mean, yeah. I still have a lot to learn and I think you never stop learning and I'm very excited about it. And so I, I would bring in passion and enthusiasm so, and I'm sure I'll learn more as, as I get closer, yeah, but I can I'm at sure. least say I have that down now. So.
1: I'm sure you will, Heather. We're speaking to Heather Jones today on Commodity Conversations, and um, you might have picked up from the accent. She's a um, passionate sheep breeder from uh, Thermopolis. You also run a few cattle with your husband, Weston, but uh, I've got to say, and you mentioned about taking on this role and, and being busy but recently you've just started um, breeding your own rams so I mean that's even more work you've taken on Heather.
2: Yes um, that is a, a little project I thought that would be fun to do in all my spare time which is crazy but um, we did we, we started um, raising our own rams and we've got so a lot of them will keep on the place to use as rams on our commercial herd. And then we've actually got some consigned to the Wyoming state ram sale, um, which is this fall. So I'm very excited about that. And yeah. So just moving forward, but that is another end yeah, of I mean, the, the business that I'm playing with.
1: And look, Heather, we were talking about that the, the, these sheep are, uh, to get into those sales, they have to have uh, good measurements and good performance.
2: Yes. So the University of Wyoming um, in Laramie has a ram test that they put on and we take the ram lambs down. So they're, this is in November. So these, you know, they're not a year old yet. We take the ram lambs down and they're put on uh, basically a feed test and then they're measured and they measure wool quality and average daily gain and uh, their efficiency basically is on what their cost of gain is. Um, they take scrotal measurements and, and the wool belly and leg, and if they're wool blind, so they do all those, those measurements. And so you get all that data coming back. Um, so they're there from November to April. So it's very exciting because you can see how your genetics are holding up and and what you're actually getting. And it gives you a whole list of, of, uh, genetics that you can pick from, you know, to improve where you, where you need improvement.
1: The one I was really interested in, Heather, that we we don't do much of, certainly not in a Merino's, was the feed efficiency. So I presume you're measuring the weight gain, but you're also measuring the amount of feed that sheep uh, consumes to put on the weight.
2: Yes. So um, they have a system, and I'm not sure off the top of my head what it's called, but basically it's a tag system. Um, It might be grow safe, don't quote me. But it's basically an electronic tag, and they have the reader – in the, like the feed bunk. So every, it records every time that that ram comes in to eat and how long he's there. So then they can make those conversions and see what it's costing to get that pound of gain.
1: Look, Heather, it's been fantastic talking to you today and we really appreciate your time. Now, I'm, I'm thinking that probably you would like to come out and visit us at some stage in Australia. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. So that was on my list of places, top list of places before we even got to me. So I was very excited. So yes, yes, we will be there.
1: Yeah, well, we'd love to see you there. And I'm sure we'll have a, we'll have a lot of sheep to show you and uh, and we'll have a lot of things that, that you can pick up from us. But I, I think also we can pick up a lot of things from you. I love your enthusiasm. Uh, I really thank you for joining us today on Commodity Conversations and wish uh, Weston and yourself all the very best in your um, ranch operations uh, into the future.
2: Well Thank you very much. Thank you for visiting with me.